back at it already here on the Chief Stone Podcast. My name is Farzine Vasuga, and thank you all for listening to another episode of the Chief Stone Podcast. Uh, feels like yesterday we just had one. That's good because it was yesterday we just had our most recent episode. Obviously, recapping the game between the Chiefs and Ravens, a thriller in overtime. Uh, I mean, gosh, what a game that was. Uh, and of course, everything else that panned out on Sunday. Uh, Gotta feel good if you're a Chiefs fan right now. Gotta feel pretty good. Uh, but nonetheless, a lot to get into on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. And by the way, before I forget, I do gotta give a shout out to one listener. His name is Jeremy. Uh, he, uh, and I completely forgot to do this uh, on the episode when we had uh, Gerard, uh, who joined us uh, last week. The uh, construction worker who buried the Chiefs flag and went viral again because he put on Chiefs gear and sat in the stands. Uh, trolling Raiders fans. Uh, he uh, and I forgot to do it last episode as well. He uh, Jeremy helped us uh, get in touch with him and did the interview. I mentioned uh, in the interview we reached out to Gerard last year, but didn't respond to us because he was bombarded with messages. Uh, but Jeremy did help us out uh, as far as connecting with him. So uh, got to give a shout out to Jeremy before I forget about that once again. But nonetheless, appreciate Jeremy who uh, did uh, help us with the connection there. As for this episode, uh, a lot to get into, and we've got little time. Uh, Of course, it's a a short week, Thursday night football for the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium with the AFC West on the line. Win and you win the division, and you'll get a first-round bye, so we'll discuss that in just a moment. We'll break down the game between the Chiefs and the Chargers. And then for our closing segments, a lot of interesting topics on this episode, the Raiders fired their general manager. Was this the right move for the Raiders? The Cowboys proving, speaking of the Raiders, that first round pick that they gave away to the Raiders, totally worth it for Amari Cooper. And also the Alex Smith injury, got to talk about that as well. Some KU basketball, K-State football, plus uh, so, so, some some thieves who are complete morons. And it's actually funny to witness. It really is funny to witness. We'll talk about that and much more on this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Real quickly, social media, facebook.com slash Vesugan. That is the Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. We'll do a Facebook Live this Thursday night at halftime and after the game. So join me for that. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 plus the email Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, or Spotify, whichever you prefer to listen, and hit the share button as well to spread the word uh, to your friends on social media. If, if any of them are Chiefs fans, let them know about this podcast. Now, we did spend a lot of time last episode talking about this Chiefs offense and really how well they've done the past two games, uh, putting up 40 points on the road in a divisional game, and of course, at home uh, against the number one defense in the NFL that's fighting really hard to stay in the playoff hunt in the Baltimore Ravens. They currently hold one of the uh, wild card spots right now, uh, and they're trying their best to, to, to stay in this. And the Chiefs offense has done really well without Kareem Hunt, a guy who has been a big part of the offense. We spent some time talking about how this offense has been trying to uh, just tried to move on. Uh, from the whole Kareem Hunt situation on the field. Uh, Clark Hunt uh, spoke to the media since the Chiefs did clinch a playoff spot. Uh, And I do want to spend a moment just talking about this real quickly before we get into the game. And this is the only topic we're going to discuss here, uh, not related to the breakdown, excluding the uh, closing segments, of course. But let me just say this. 
Uh, Carcott did admit that the Chiefs were aware of all three incidents. The media was not aware of the uh, incident uh, at Power and Light, which was made public after his release. And let me just say this. Keep one thing in mind. With NFL teams, NBA teams, college teams, there are incidents that take place that we don't always know about them. There might be a key player on the Patriots who maybe goes out and about in the Boston area or downtown Boston, goes to one of the nightclubs, maybe causes some trouble, and it doesn't get noticed. It doesn't get talked about much, but the team is aware of these kinds of things. And there could be somebody out there, uh, a key player for any team. And I, I was just using the Patriots as an example because we know Belichick and how he, he likes to handle these things these things sometimes, especially making them public to the media. But we don't know exactly what happens and how things are handled behind closed doors. Some of these things are not made public, like the Kareem Hunt, the Power and Light incident. Funny story, actually, uh, Ben Heaney, a former Kansas Jayhawk, who was drafted by the Oakland Raiders, has switched teams a couple of times uh, with the Saints and Texans. He's a free agent right now, but he got in trouble because he got into uh, a physical altercation with somebody at Tonic. Uh, so for those who've been to Lawrence, or if you're a KU student, or you've been to you, you've been to KU, you were a KU student, and if you spent some, some of your weekends at Mastery, you're definitely familiar with the, uh, with the nightclub Tonic. So I guess he was involved in some sort of physical altercation there. He was he was his name his name was tied into a fight. It was in a police report. However, nobody in the media had any idea there was a police report, but nobody in the media picked it up. So so the funny thing about this, uh KU sent out a press release to the media saying, We are aware of the Ben Heaney situation and we are handling it. And the media was completely confused by this. And KU actually regretted uh, sending that uh, press release out because they want to keep these things uh, away from the media as much as possible. They thought the media knew about this when the media actually didn't. So, I I mean, I still remember reading the press release myself, and I texted my editor and a couple of the other writers in Lawrence. I said, what the hell are they talking about? Nobody had any clue about this. Uh, so, So these things happen. Where And by the way, if you are, if you're a college student, or if you were a college student at a university where athletics is a big deal, like the University of Kansas, uh, and that's more so with the basketball team. Uh, but if if you're in the know, if you know a couple of athletes, uh, and if you're out and about on weekends where all the students go to hang out, and sometimes the athletes, uh, you hear about some stories about what that what athletes do uh, in terms of. Fights they get into, whether it's verbal or physical. Uh, and I'll say this, and I'm not going to drop any names, but I, I know of some guys at KU who did those kinds of things. And again, I'm, this is not supposed to be like a KU deal. I know the anti-KU fans will get on this. Same thing could be said, uh, said about AMU athletes, K-State athletes, Nebraska, uh, UCLA, wherever. Uh, these things are very common, unfortunately, where you don't know everything. So the point being is... With the Kareem Hunt situation, everyone knows that there was that incident at Power and Light that the Chiefs, they say they knew about it. Whether you want to believe it or not, it's up to you. Uh, But it's one of those things where it does happen with 
pro teams and college teams where players do get in trouble, but it's not always made public to the media. And the the teams want to do their absolute best to keep it that way. I mentioned the, the KU story. Uh, I actually uh, have a friend who was interning for KU's PR department. He told me, he goes, dude, they regret sending out that, <laughs> that press release. Uh, so those things do happen occasionally. Uh, the, that, that, and that's why you have a PR department. They, their job is to make sure before they send out a press release, does the media know about it? If, if they're not writing about it, hey, let's let's hold off on this. Let's just save it in the drafts folder and send it if anyone in the media picks it up. Uh, some are angry. Because the Chiefs didn't do anything from the three incidents before the video. Listen, forget about the video, okay? Because a lot of people are comparing this to what Marcus Peters was traded away for. Because let's be honest, Clark Hunt didn't like the fact that he would not stand for the national anthem. He had his immature moments, tossing the flag against the Jets, pushing the Titans player at the end of the game when the game was wrapped up after that first down by Mariota. Uh... But but my my concern with this is you you don't tolerate Peters yet you tolerated Kareem Hunt's activities when you knew his name was tied to three violent incidents at Power and Light and twice in uh, Cleveland. Uh, one of them, of course, being the uh, physical altercation with the woman he had, and then there's another one uh, that that's reported uh, from June where he uh, allegedly punched a man. So you know of these three incidents, violent incidents. Marcus Peters has never been involved in any criminal activity, no violent incident, yet you let him go because you did not want to tolerate his actions. Okay, look, let me just say this right now. We, we, we can't have this double standard, folks. We can't. And I think Clark Hunt uh, was not being asked the tough questions. And by the way, I don't know why he's doing an interview in the middle, right in the center of the locker. Does, that, does the owner not get a podium? When he meets with the media, I I, I was kind of confused by that. I, I mean, you would think the owner has a more formal uh, discussion with the media rather than just having uh, people cir- circle around him in the locker room. I was kind of confused by that. But nonetheless, uh, that's how they wanted to do things with him. But you can't have you, you can't have a, a double standard. You, you truly can't. Uh, you can't sit here and tell me that the Chiefs had to let go of uh, Marcus Peters because they didn't like his actions on the field, his immature actions, and on top of that, uh, the whole uh, national anthem drama that uh, he he made his uh, activity known as to what he wanted to do during the anthem. So you you don't put up with that with Marcus Peters, but you knew about the two incidents and you claim you knew about the third. Again, let's just buy their story right there. Let's just say they that we believe them and that and they did know about all three incidents. So you knew there were three violent incidents and I, I really want to know how did the Chiefs handle that? Because if I made aware that someone's being inv- someone was involved in three violent incidents I, I don't know I don't know if I've no- if I noticed the Chiefs Punishing him in any way. Generally, a lot of times you'll see teams uh, not allow a player to play for one quarter, and they will say, "Hey, we uh, this player uh, went against protocol, and we handled it by not letting him play the first quarter." I don't recall Kareem Hunt getting any kind of punishment. If you remember Romeo Cornell's first game as the interim head coach when the Chiefs upset the Packers, Dwayne Bowe did not play in the first quarter of that game because, as the team stated. It had something to do with uh, Dwayne Bowe violating protocol. 
Now, maybe Dwayne Bowe did something like Kareem Hunt that was not noticed. And the team wanted to keep quiet about it. I don't, that's a speculation on my end. It's, it's just a guess. Who knows? Maybe he did violate a rule, a team rule. But uh, there, the more we hear about the Kareem Hunt situation, there are more questions than answers that we're getting in this. And again, three violent incidents and you didn't do anything. I think... For as much as we criticize coaches and players, we gotta we gotta hold owners to to a standard as well. Clark Hunt says he knew about these things. What did he do about it? He didn't do anything. Kareem Hunt still play. I don't recall Kareem Hunt ever being held off for a quarter or a half for a Chiefs for a Chiefs game. So I think there there's something that that needs to be discussed. And uh, look, I really hope. The columnists and the radio hosts in Kansas City uh, have discussed this. And I'll admit, I, I don't really read up on that too much. I, I listen to mostly the national stuff. Uh, but I really hope uh, there's some criticism circling Clark Hunt because something does not add up. It does not make sense. You let me know. Facebook.com slash Farzine Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Plus my email Farzine at Farzine I'll wrap up by saying this. I know a lot of you guys are going to say you don't care and you just want to move on from this. Okay, fine. That's fair. But these things do happen. Who knows? Maybe there's someone on the 53-man roster right now who's done something similar and it's not made public about it. Usually they are public, but there are times where it doesn't get out and about. And quite honestly, I think as fans uh, who, who who pay a lot of money for tickets, merchandise, uh, you know, the, the overpriced beer and hot dog in, in, the, in the concessions, I, I think fans are... They deserve to know if these players are getting in trouble in the in the public. Uh, how how many people do you honestly think are, are wearing their Kareem Hunt jerseys since the incident? How many parents do you think bought their kid a Kareem Hunt jersey and now they want their money back because they're not going to give that to their kid for Christmas? I mean, why would they? So... I'll leave you with that. You guys can be the judge on that. And as always, I, I welcome the discussion. I know some people may not want to talk about it, and that's fine. You don't have to uh, discuss every topic on the social media page. Uh, some people complain about it, but uh, you don't. again, you don't have to like the topic. Uh, you don't have to uh, discuss it uh, if you don't like it. So keep that in mind as well. Hey, real cool story before we get into the uh, breakdown. Uh, Patrick Mahomes' agent, Lee Steinberg, tweeted uh, a photo of Patrick Mahomes on the front page of Monday's edition of USA Today and on the front page of the latest edition of ESPN, the magazine. Mahomes, of course, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated earlier this year. So deserving, obviously, but at the same time, it is pretty cool just seeing how much of the attention Patrick Mahomes is getting uh, being on the front page of all these uh, media outlets, uh, these big magazines, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, the, the two biggest sports magazines out there. And a hell of a year. The uh, no-look pass, uh, I mean, that's, of course, going viral. Everyone's talking about that. Uh, I, I think Titans fans tried to match that with some of the passes Mariota's had, which doesn't even come close to what Mahomes is doing. Mahomes just made that look so easy. It's like he, he's done it before. Uh, he says he's been practicing that since college. Well, uh, you can tell he, you can tell he has, actually. Uh, eventually, it may not work every single time. You'll do it when you need to. But man, uh, Mahomes is just really finding ways to change the game, and he's a big reason why the game is seeing a lot of high-scoring uh, matches this year. So, very interesting to see. Uh, 
Mahomes uh, on the front cover of USA Today and ESPN the magazine this week. Now, one thing to note, uh, if you if a team does have a short week playing on a Thursday night, they are required to release an injury report on Monday. Uh, and the Chiefs did release one on Monday night. The Chiefs tweeted that left guard Cameron Irving, ty- uh, wide receiver Tyreek Hill, and running back Spencer Ware, plus uh, wide receiver Sammy Watkins, did not practice on Monday. Eric Berry, the safety, did practice but was limited uh, as he has been limited in practice ever since he has returned. Andy Reid was asked during the press conference on Monday as to whether or not Eric Berry will play. He said, quote, there's a chance. So take that for what it's worth. And again, I mentioned last episode, the reason I'm optimistic that Eric Berry will play is that is because of Adam Schefter's report in which there was a specific target date. We have not been given anything like that with Eric Berry. And I think that's why this time it's a little bit different for me as to why we'll see Eric Berry this time on the gridiron on game day. So I think he will be playing this Thursday night for the Chiefs. And it would be a good time to return. Got to get these three games under your belt before it's time to play these games in the postseason. Uh, and by the way, note on Tyree Kill's injury, who, man, dealt with everything it felt like uh, in uh, in Sunday's win over the Ravens and fought through a lot of pain. You could tell he was limping a lot in that second half. And did not want to go out. I mean, this guy was a warrior on Sunday against the Ravens. Uh, Adam Schefter reported that Tyree Kill's injury is not considered serious after an evaluation. Schefter also said he is listed as, quote, day-to-day. I'm not going to tell you how you should feel about that. Uh, I will tell you Eric Berry was considered day-to-day for, what, three months and didn't practice Sammy Watkins was considered day-to-day for a couple of days and played the Rams game, although not much, only five snaps. And now we have Tyreek Hill's day-to-day. Uh, what Kansas City's definition of day-to-day is, that is for you to judge, uh, because I'm sure we all have our opinions on that. Let's get into the game. Chiefs and Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn, and he's got a fairly wise coaching staff around him. Ken Wisenhunt, the offensive coordinator, former Steelers offensive coordinator, uh, and the success that he had with the Steelers landed him a head coaching gig in Arizona and eventually with Tennessee. Uh, before he went to Tennessee, he did uh, serve as the offensive coordinator as the Chargers before. And then after being let go by the uh, Titans, he returned to the Chargers for a second stint, uh, replacing Mike McCoy, who was fired this year by the Cardinals, by the way. Defensive coordinator Gus Bradley, also a former head coach. Very good defensive mind, uh, former head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars from 2013 to 2017. And George Stewart, the special teams coordinator, 30 years coaching the sport, longtime NFL assistant, and has coached a lot of different spots as well. Uh, wide receivers previously with the Vikings, uh, and now uh, he's the special teams coordinator for the Chargers, but has not been a very good season for the Chargers from a special teams standpoint. But let's start with the offense, as we usually do for the Chargers, uh, for, or for any opposing team, as we always do. Uh, fifth in points scored, scoring more than 28 points per game. They are also sixth in total offense, with 390 yards per game in the top 10 in passing, and just outside the top 10 in running the football. However, the rushing game... Could be different this week. Melvin Gordon, he's been out the last two games with an MCL sprain. Might miss this Thursday's game. Austin Eckler suffered a neck injury, but is no longer in the concussion protocol. He is listed as day-to-day. Again, every team might have a different definition of that. Uh, Gordon 
has 802 rushing yards and Eckler has 496. Both of those players are averaging more than five yards per carry. They combine for 11 rushing touchdowns. Nine of them goes to Gordon on the year so far. Now, if both of those players are unavailable or if they are, but will be taking a very light load, well, then it's possible that rookie running back Justin Jackson, who was taken in the seventh round out of Northwestern, he could start. He has 27 rushes this year, 439 yards, and a touchdown. He also has uh, more than five yards per carry. So the Chargers do have a pretty good foundation with the ground game where you've got guys who who have a very high average, but they don't run the ball a whole lot because... They have Phillip Rivers, who has been one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League for a decade now. More than a decade, it feels like. Uh, Eighth in the NFL in passing yards with 3,638 yards. Top five in passing touchdowns with 29. And just six picks this season. One of them, Teron Parker, in the Week 1 game when the Chiefs visited the Chargers in L.A. Last year, Rivers had 10 interceptions. Six of them to Kansas City, three in each game. Uh, by the way, uh, this year, his passer rating is at a 114.5. That's the highest passer rating he's ever had in his career. Uh, so that is something he's trying to keep up. And again, the limited interceptions he has this year, just six, a big reason for that. Now you look at who he's been throwing to all year long. Keenan Allen, one of the best receivers in the NFL, top receiver on the team by a Mile, 88 grabs for 1,074 yards and 6 touchdowns. Second on the team is Melvin Gordon, who I just mentioned hasn't played lately. He has half of what Keenan Allen has, which is just 44 uh, uh, catches. Eckler is second on the team, uh, or excuse me, third on the team. Another running back uh, with 39 catches. Those two, Gordon and Eckler, the running backs, they combined for 7 receiving touchdowns on the year for the Chargers. But... uh, it's possible that Philip Rivers might need to use his receivers a lot more if the running backs are unavailable. You look at Tyrell Williams. He has 32 catches for five touchdowns. Mike Williams has 30 grabs uh, for seven touchdowns, leading the team in that category. Both of the Williams players, Tyrell and Mike, they have more than 500 yards receiving on the season. Tight end Antonio Gates, not the same tight end he once was, uh, but doing some work uh, occasionally here and there for the Chargers. Still the best tight end on the team. 21 catches for 258 yards and a touchdown on the year. You look at the offensive lineman for the for the Chargers. Russell Okung, longtime tackle, former Seattle Seahawk, has surrendered just two and a half sacks and committed just three penalties. Left or excuse me, right tackle Sam Tavai has allowed five, five and a half sacks and has been penalized four times. Tavai will be going up against Steve Ford. Okung will be going up against Justin Houston. And I know I've been focusing a lot on opposing offensive tackles. Well. In this game, I think there's a there's an offensive lineman who Chiefs fans got to keep an eye on, and that is Dan Gini, the left guard for the Chargers. He has allowed six and a half sacks on the year, and you look at Chris Jones right now, he's on a roll with 10 consecutive games with a sack. And I'll just say right now, that spells disaster for Gini. How do you beat Phillip Rivers? It's easy. You got to put pressure on him in this game. The Chiefs have the pressure to do that. Keep in mind, the Kansas City Chiefs are second in the NFL in sacks with 42, three behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Chiefs also have 18 forced fumbles. That is tied for the most in the NFL with two other teams. And I think it's crazy to even read that stat because of how bad the Chiefs defense has been. Uh, But that's mostly against the run and also with the safeties not being very good in defending the pass. But if Kansas City's front seven can be quick and get to Phillip Rivers, 
in a short amount of time. And, and, and as odd as as it is that the Chiefs are second in the NFL in sacks, you would think they would have a little bit more because you see the Chiefs have a, a, a difficult time getting to the quarterback sometimes, it feels like, in some plays, where it feels like opposing quarterbacks have forever to throw the football. This is not the game where you let Phillip Rivers stand in the pocket or just move around for as long as he wants to. You've got to go out there and attack Rivers, put him down four, five, six times, and not all of them are going to be sacks, but at least hurry him and don't give him the time that he wants to have to look for Keenan Allen deep uh, downfield because Keenan Allen going up against the Chiefs cornerbacks, Fuller and Nelson, okay, they're having fairly decent seasons, but once you rely on the safety help from Ron Parker and Dan Sorensen, not going to be very good. How big of a difference would Eric Berry make in his first game back? That remains to be seen if Eric Berry plays on Thursday, and it'd be a very good test for Eric Berry to see where he is with his progress after missing 29 games, including the wildcard game against the Titans last year. So that's one thing that I would definitely keep an eye on this week. That Chiefs front seven, uh, and especially Chris Jones, he's the guy I'm keeping uh, an eye on the most. Uh, This front seven has to have a big game. They've got to waste little time disrupting the pocket and getting to Rivers because that will be a big difference in this game. And I think Chris Jones will be the top uh, QB uh, pressure guy for the Chiefs in this football game. He'll he'll apply uh, the most pressure on Phillip Rivers Thursday night. Let's flip over to the other side of the football and talk about the Chargers defense. Uh, pretty good defense. Sixth in points allowed per game, close to 21 points per game. Eighth in total defense, allowing 331 yards per game. Sixth against the pass, and 12th against the run, allowing 107 yards per game. We've seen the Chiefs, again, do just fine with that Kareem Hunt so far. How do they do against another good defense? Uh, I mean, you face the Ravens, who were number one in total defense, number three against the run at the time when you played them. Well, you've got a Chargers team that's outside the top 10 in that category, so you can use Spencer Ware and Damian Williams, assuming Spencer Ware will be available. He did play in the fourth quarter for the Chiefs, but didn't play in the overtime period, if I remember correctly. So we'll see what his status will be for uh, for Thursday. I keep wanting to say Sunday. Uh, but also keep in mind, Charkandrick West is he a guy who who makes his season debut uh, for the Chiefs uh, returning for a second stint. Maybe he gets an opportunity to play this week for Kansas City. We'll see about that. Uh, but you look at some of the individual players for the Chargers on this defense. Safety, Derwin James leading the team in tackles with 88. Also has three and a half sacks and three picks to go along with that. Defensive lineman for the Chargers, very good. Melvin Ingram leads the team with five and a half sacks. Not a high total, but hey, you don't need a high total when you've got a lot of other players contributing. Defensive end, Isaiah Rochelle, who's been filling in a lot for Joey Bosa. He has four and a half sacks on the year. Former Chiefs nose tackle Damian Square also has three sacks this season. And Joey Bosa, who has returned now, has played in four games. He has four sacks in the four games that he has played in. So you have that to, to to deal with if you're Kansas City's offensive line. You've got a guy from one side in Melvin Ingram coming around, and you got Joey Bosa on the other side uh, who are going to be going after Mahomes. And I think that's that's going to be an area where Mahomes is going to is going to deal with some problems. What did I say in the preseason or in the offseason? I said Mahomes is going to have trouble in the first couple of games dealing with pressure. One of which I was referring to the duo of Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. Obviously, Mahomes didn't go up against both of those guys. Only went up against one of them. Let's see how he does 
with Joey Bosa, with healthy Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram going up against him. How does Mahomes deal with that kind of a pressure? And he's gone up against a lot of good pass rushers this year. Von Miller and Bradley Chubb twice. Bradley Chubb, by the way, not getting the recognition he deserves. But this guy is having a very good rookie season. I, I would be very disappointed if any other defensive player won the Rookie of the Year award uh, defensive Rookie of the Year award, that is, because Bradley Chubb has been a monster this year for the Broncos, and Patrick Mahomes did a fairly good job against them. You've gone up against Miles Garrett. You've gone up against uh, uh, Chandler uh, Chandler Jones. Uh, a lot of good pass rushers this year. Uh, I know he had a rough time against the Rams' front seven, especially with Aaron Donald, who could take home Defensive Player of the Year honors. Uh, and again, I, I think Mahomes also learns a lot going up against uh, his own teammates in practice. You go up against Justin Houston, D. Ford, and Chris Jones on a daily basis. So you, I'm sure you'll learn a lot from that as well. So how does Mahomes handle the Chargers front seven? Well, you, you've obviously got to rely on your offensive tackles, who haven't been the most viable, but his mobility is also a big part of that. He used his mobility to connect with Tyreek Hill on that fourth and long play to keep... Uh, not just the drive alive, but the game alive, essentially, late in the fourth quarter. So you've, you, you've got that on your side with Patrick Mahomes. Look at the interceptions for the Chargers. 12 this year for the Chargers. I mentioned De- uh, uh, Derwin James. He's got three picks. So does Desmond King, the cornerback. Three picks, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Jatavius Brown, the outside linebacker, second in tackles with 79 also has a sack and a forced fumble. The Chargers only have four forced fumbles all season long. Uh, one of the lowest in the NFL, and I mentioned the Chiefs. Uh, they're tied first with 18 on the year with three games to go. Fairly good secondary with what the Chargers have to display. you got quarterback Casey Hayward Jr., one of the best in the NFL. Uh, then you got Derwin James and also Desmond King. Then you got uh, safety uh, like uh, Jaheel Adaye. And uh, cornerback Michael Davis, average defensive backs. And depending if Tyreek Hill plays, which I think he will, uh, given what we've heard, it's not a serious injury. Maybe just want to be cautious about it on Monday. We'll see what happens on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, But if Tyreek Hill's playing and if Kelvin Benjamin is on the field, it really will make it difficult for the Chargers defense because you know Mahomes will do his thing with his tight end. Travis Kelsey, arguably the best tight end in the NFL right now. And, of course, we'll see how the Chiefs want to uh, continue this uh, role that they've been in so far with the running backs post Kareem Hunt era. So you know this offense is in good hands as long as you have Patrick Mahomes on your team, and he'll do well against any defense. He just went up and uh, had uh, the game of his life. Uh, and with the game on the line, a lot at stake too, trying to have that gap for the number one seed. Uh, and that was against the best defense in the NFL. Special teams, you got kicker Mike Badgley, the rookie. He is 14 of 15, one missed PAT out of 21. His longest field goal, by the way, 59 yards away. Uh, punter Donnie Jones averaging 42 yards per, uh, or averaging 42 yards per punt, excuse me. Uh, that is the fewest in the NFL among active punters. Also the third worst net average among the 32 punters in the NFL right now. Drew Kaser, by the way, he was the one who punted to Tyreek Hill when he went 91 yards to the house, that was the first time the Chiefs had possession of the football, and Tyreek Hill kept the offense on the sidelines by taking it 91 yards to the end zone. So that was Kaser who punted to Tyreek Hill. He only lasted four games, was briefly with the Packers. I don't even know why the Chargers parted ways with Kaser if Donnie Jones isn't doing much better than uh, Kaser was. So we'll see uh, if Donnie Jones becomes a, a, a victim to Tyreek Hill's 
special teams ability. Uh, I, I, if I had to make a bold prediction, I think it does happen. I think he does get a punt return touchdown in this game against the Chargers. Speaking of return duties, Desmond King, uh, good cornerback, also uh, a fairly good return guy, averaging 24 yards per kick return. He's also averaging more than 14 yards per return off punts. One of the best in the NFL, also has a touchdown to go along with that in his punt return duties. So here's the thing. I, I think the Chargers, okay, they, they've they got a good uh, return game and a good kicker. Punting-wise, I, I, it's not very good. I think Tyreek Hill can do something uh, to uh, get the uh, crowd on Arrowhead to roar at one point in the game. I also feel like Patrick Mahomes against any defense at this point, uh, the standard is now, even if he does have kind of a rough game like he did against the Patriots and the Rams, he still found a way to help the team rally back and at one point take the lead uh, despite some of the struggles that you went through. So Mahomes can go up against any defense. And even if you're missing a guy like Sammy Watkins or if Tyreek Hill is not having a big game statistically, you still will do things to move the offense. And by the way, uh, Fox Sports Radio put out this tweet. Patrick Mahomes only has one game where he did not surpass the 250-yard mark. And in that game where he didn't get 250 yards, he got 249 yards. So just one yard shy of that. And they were making the case on Fox Sports Radio as to why that's a big reason why Mahomes deserves uh, MVP honors. And we mentioned uh, that last episode. Feel free to listen if you guys haven't done so. Uh, that game against the Ravens definitely uh, signified why he deserved the MVP award. But we got into that, so feel free to listen on there. But I feel like Mahomes is just going to continue to add on to his resume. I think he can go out there, have three touchdowns, throw for more than 300 yards. And again, You've got a lot of options with this offense. You've got a lot of players to work with. So use them in this game uh, outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I still anticipate those guys to be the main targets for, for Mahomes in this game. Maybe Kelvin Benjamin can can come away with a couple of key plays if he plays. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, and I think that's what's going to make it very interesting. I think the Chargers, as fairly good th- this defense has been, we learned last week, uh, or a Sunday rather, on a short week, that the Chiefs can compete with any defense in the NFL. They put up 51, and not all of them from the defense or from the offense, excuse me. But the Chiefs still put up 51 on the Rams on the road. They put up 40 on the road in New England, despite losing those games. And then you, you had a hell of a drive in the fourth quarter against the Ravens, the best defense in the NFL, and also put together a game-winning drive in overtime, 11 plays to get that game-winning field goal from Butker. So at this point, I'm confident that as long as you have Patrick Mahomes, you can go up against any defense. And that, to me, is a big difference maker at this point. Not that this is anything new, but we're just getting more and more proof that Mahomes can beat any defense out there. Chiefs win this football game 31-17. to That is my score prediction for Thursday Night Football. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzinevasugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Plus my email, Farzine at Farzinevasugian.com. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Man, I've got to say I'm surprised. I don't know if this is the right move for the Raiders' future or the wrong one. But the Raiders did fire general manager Reggie McKenzie, who was the GM of the team from 2012 to 2018. And look, it it took a little bit of time, but Reggie McKenzie did eventually turn the Raiders into a competitive football team. It started in 2015 when they had 
uh, when they were leading, uh, or not, excuse me, not leading a division, but they had one of the wild card spots, which the Chiefs eventually took over. But then in 2016, we saw them leading the division for uh, part of uh, that year, and it took a Derek Carr injury, and the Chiefs sweeping the Raiders uh, and getting that win in Week 17 to lose the division, and. You get John Gruden in here. Listen, McKenzie, I feel like, turned the Raiders into a competitive football team and a team that could make the playoffs. John Gruden, by trading away Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, he made the Bears and the Cowboys playoff team. But McKenzie's taking the heat for this. He's paying the price. I don't think that adds up well. And then again, a lot of things don't make sense. I don't know if I agree with this move, but... Hey, who am I? I? I mean, I've never ran a football team before, but I'd like to think I know well enough that... Reggie McKenzie has done a lot of work. I think whoever picks up Reggie McKenzie, follow that team closely because the job that he did in Oakland was not an easy one. The Raiders have been mad for a long time and they're trying to gain their competitive edge again. And I feel like this is John Gruden who has caused the team to not be competitive. But not on Reggie McKenzie, but that's just the way it was, It went down in, uh, in Oakland on Monday afternoon. And one of the teams who... John Gruden has made a playoff team, the Dallas Cowboys. Hey, they're proving that first round that, that first round draft pick they traded away, 100% worth it. A lot of people criticize the Cowboys for that. But 100% worth giving up for Amari Cooper, who had his first career 3-TD game. Second time he's had 200-plus receiving yards in a game. Did it once with Oakland. He also had 8 catches for 180 yards and 2 touchdowns earlier this year. With the Dallas Cowboys, the Cowboys have won five straight games and no coincidence that once Cooper got to Dallas that the Cowboys have started this winning streak. I I think there's uh, something to that. The Cowboys, again, won five straight. Maybe this is going to change their fortune in the playoffs. Maybe they can get over that playoff curse they've been dealing with for a long time, similar to Kansas City, and now you've got Patrick Mahomes. So let's see how things pan out there. Uh, Don't be surprised if the Dallas Cowboys, who, by the way, dethroned, well, I don't know if I should say dethroned, but they did defeat the New Orleans Saints who beat the LA Rams. So maybe the Dallas Cowboys could be a threat to not only win the NFC East, I think that's a foregone conclusion at this point, I think they'll win that division with ease, but I think they could represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, possibly a team who the Chiefs will face in less than eight weeks in Atlanta, never know. I, 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 I would not be too surprised if the Dallas Cowboys came out alive in the NFC playoff race. And by the way, we got to talk about this. Alex Smith, uh, very, very sad news. And again, uh, with the Cowboys now being in first place, part of it has to do with the Redskins and the injuries they've been dealing with. Losing Alex Smith, then you lose uh, Colt McCoy. But Alex Smith, uh, his injury seems to be worse than expected. Dealing with an infection in his leg that requires surgery. Again, uh, some complications he is dealing with and could be career-ending. Man, never a good thing. You never want to hear this from anybody. And there's been talks about Alex Smith and what could happen to him from a health standpoint with this. And I don't want to get into that because nothing about that has been confirmed. The Redskins did say that they are uh, the the Smith family has requested privacy privacy on this. Uh, hopefully, uh, this can uh, this can end good. Uh, no one deserves it, especially Alex Smith. I know we were critical of what he did in Kansas City, and you can still be critical of that stuff as long as it wasn't done in a personal uh, in a personal way with any malice, but uh, 
you know, uh, at the same time, you kind of do feel bad about some of the, some of the criticism that we had for him, especially how harsh we were, given he gave us uh, five, six good good seasons in uh, Kansas City. So, uh, you know, thoughts up for, or excuse me, not Mahomes, for Alex Smith, and hopefully uh, it ends in a good story for him, at the, at the very least with his health. I mean, if it's career-ending, you still get $31 million from the Redskins, but your health always got to come, come first, and hopefully... Alex Smith can be on the good side of that. Let's go out of bounds. The Kansas Jayhawks played in downtown Kansas City at the Sprint Center, beating New Mexico State 63-60. Not a pretty win And it's something we talk about sometimes with the Chiefs. They have ugly wins. And Chiefs fans get very critical of how the Chiefs don't win by the margin fans expect sometimes. And I know sometimes KU basketball fans feel that way as well. Bill Self, he is very critical about how his team plays, even in wins. Uh, If if, if his team allows 10 points in a game, but if they allow 20, or excuse me, 10 points in the first half, but 20 in the second half, Self will comment on the fact that they allowed more than double the amount. And that's just an example, of course, of that number I'm throwing out there. But that's how critical of a coach Bill Self is. And look, I know I've been critical of Bill Self more for what he does in uh, the tournament. But, uh, you know, look, man, wins in any sport, pro level, college level, they're they're never easy. Uh, You never take any of these guys lightly. You just don't. Even if they're ranked, not ranked, whatever the case may be, you Wins are very difficult to come by. And when you are a team like Kansas, everyone's going to want to play 110%, a little bit more than they usually do because they want to have that story where they look back at their college days playing a sport and say, hey, we beat that KU basketball team, one of the best basketball teams ever. Uh, I mean, you just have a target. It's almost like in uh, combat sports, in the UFC or boxing, when you are a champion, when you're a guy like Conor McGregor or... Uh, man, I don't even know who the biggest guy in boxing is right now. Deontay Wilder, I guess. Uh, Canelo, Triple G. Uh, when you're one of those guys and you get a chance to fight him, look, you just tend to prepare a little bit more because it's a bigger fight, a bigger name. That's how you view the Kansas Jayhawks. That's just how it is. So I can understand Bill Self being a little upset with how things went in the game, but hey, look, man, a win's a win. Uh, you're number one in the nation right now in the AP pools and... There are, what, I think only eight undefeated teams left in college basketball? I think that's a good place to be in right now if you're Kansas. Now, staying in the state of Kansas, looking over to Kansas State football, they hired Chris Kleiman as their new head coach, was previously with North Dakota State, where he went 67-6 and with three football championships there at North Dakota State. He'll obviously succeed Bill Snyder, who recently announced his retirement. Look, will this work? I'm always interested in how things go. When a coach goes from Division Two or Division Three and wants to coach in uh, one of the Big Five conferences, like the Big Twelve, you know, how is he going to do there? Kind of reminds you of like the CFL, AFL player going to the NFL, trying his his uh, skills out there, testing uh, what he could do in the NFL. Kind of like a, a Bellator fighter or a PFL fighter going to the UFC, making that jump to the big leagues and hoping that their success from Past organizations can pan out at the big level. So we'll, we'll see how things go for Chris Kleiman. I'm always interested in these kinds of moves in sports and how it pans out. So we'll see what happens with Chris Kleiman and whether or not he can have his 
success from a different level of college football, if you can duplicate that in the Big 12. Looks, listen, there are not a lot of great defenses in the Big 12. That's just the way things are. Look at Mahomes and what he did when he was in the Big 12. So, if anything, Kleiman's got a chance to uh, do some good things for Kansas State, replacing, obviously, one of the best in Bill Snyder. And also, I mentioned earlier, here's what I love. Morons. Thieves who are morons. Uh, I I remember last year, somebody uh, released their invention where they have a box. It looks like UPS or the post office. You know, they delivered that to someone's front door. And unfortunately, with people being at work during the day, it is possible for people to steal some packages. Well, somebody invented a box where as soon as someone lifts it open, it's empty, but uh, a very loud sound, almost like the sound of a gunshot shotgun shells go off. Uh, Somebody in Kansas City posted a video from their surveillance camera at home, and you can tell this was during the winter too, where it was snowy. So this big, out of shape dude goes up to someone's front door and he sees a, a fairly wide box that he wants to pick up. As soon as he picks up the box, a loud siren goes off. The guy's running for his life, but he's so out of shape. He's running so slow. And because it was uh, during the uh, winter storm that we just recently had, uh, I mean, he was walking really slow so he doesn't slip. I was just waiting for him to fall on his face. Because, look, I'm sorry, but you just deserve it at that point. Why are you stealing people's things? I've just got a big thing with that. You're you're taking someone's hard-earned money. They're spending it on something that they want, and it's at their front door. They can't be at home 24-7 because they have a job. And, man, I just wanted this guy to fall on his face so badly. Just just look these up on YouTube. Uh, Thieves who get fooled trying to steal Christmas packages. Uh, it, It is entertaining. And uh, you'll love it. It, it. It's really great stuff. And uh, quite honestly, these people deserve to look like fools online when they uh, try to steal packages. And uh, it doesn't go their way. It doesn't go their way. And they deserve it. Final segment of the show. Let's throw some penalty flags. I do want to go back to the Patriots loss against the Dolphins where they got stunned by that play where the Dolphins lateraled it a couple times and ran to the end zone. Uh, So the Patriots had their prevent defense out there and they had Rob Gronkowski as a defensive back. Why is the heaviest tight end in the world playing defensive back? Not only that, he actually had to try to outrun a player to tackle him and missed. Why is Gronk in that situation, when you've got someone else who you could put out there. I don't trust Gronk uh, playing defense, trying to tackle someone, a wide receiver who's faster than him. I mean, I don't even trust Gronk spiking a football with his back, with all the back injuries he deals with. Now you're asking him to go out there and tackle? I mean, listen, Bill Belichick, he's one of the smartest coaches out there, but I don't know if that was a very wise move from him. I just don't think so. This is pretty funny. Uh, Packers interim coach uh, Joe Philbin, uh, former head coach of the uh, of the Dolphins, and also was with the Packers before as an offensive coordinator. Now uh, he's replacing Mike McCarthy. He used both of his challenges in the first one minute and twenty three seconds against the Falcons and lost both of them. But you know what? At least the Packers won the game. How do you lose two challenges in? 
gosh, 83 seconds into a game. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I mean, ESPN stats and info, sure, I mean, that has to be a record. Is it not? I mean, that's like getting into two car accidents on your way to work. Has that ever happened before with anyone? I, I mean, that is just crazy. 83 seconds and you lose both your challenges. Uh, you know what? I, I hate to judge on such a short window, but I don't think Philbin's going to be the uh, head coach of the Packers. And that is one big reason why he won't get the gig. Listen, we love Matt Nagy. He was the former head, uh, offensive coordinator rather, in Kansas City. Now the head coach with the Bears. The Chicago Bears tried to do something very crazy where they uh, they quickly switched all 11 players on their offense off the field and put in a new 11, and they wanted to snap the football world quickly, but the referees stopped the game because the Rams were allowed to make a, de- a defensive substitution as well if the offense does it. And not only that, the, uh, the Bears actually ran over one of the referees, one of the side judges, and Matt Nagy went off on the refs for that. I don't know why... Matt Nagy, listen, you're a head coach. You have to know that in the NFL, if an offensive team makes a substitution, then the defense is going to be given time to make a substitution as well if they choose to do so. And plus, you ran over one of the assistant referees. So what are you complaining about? I I, I don't know what the case is here. Do you not know the rules? Uh, Got to be shocked by that. I mean, I, I'm criticizing Joe Philbin for losing two challenges. Matt Nagy doesn't even know the rules. For substitutions. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way at all. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Short week, of course. Chiefs, Chargers, Thursday night. Facebook.com slash Farzi Vasugan. Join me for the Facebook Live videos at halftime and after the game. Like my page. Talk to me on there. Also talk to me on Twitter at Farzi21. Follow me as well. And my email, Farzi at FarziVasugan.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Share the podcast as well. Appreciate you guys listening to all of the episodes this week. Very, very busy month, of course, with the holidays and uh, all of the crazy scheduling the Chiefs have. So we're going to be releasing a lot of episodes this month. And the next time I'll be talking to you guys on the podcast will be Friday morning, recapping the game between the Chiefs and Chargers, hopefully discussing the AFC West champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, and hopefully getting a first round bye that we will discuss next Monday. So a lot of episodes coming your way in the next couple of weeks to finish out the month of December. Again, big thanks to you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I will talk to you guys on Friday. Enjoy the game.